0: Hey, what's up? Sean here with another episode of Locked On Raptors. And finally, we get to talk about a win. It's been over a week, but the Raptors have beaten the Milwaukee Bucks last night at Scotiabank Arena, 97-93. Fred VanVleet was incredible. Scotty Barnes is bombing threes like he's Clay Thompson. And a whole bunch more from this game. we got the dude of the game. We're going to talk about it all on today's episode with very special guest, Louis Zatzman from Raptors Republic. Stick around. Oh, like because when I shot it, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1071 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, December the 3rd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the podcast at Locked On Raptors on Twitter, and the podcast is free and available on all of your favorite platforms, whether it's the apps that you like so much where you can follow, subscribe, rate, review, or on YouTube where you can just hit that big red subscribe button. And join our little YouTube community. It's very much appreciated when you support the show and thank you as always for making us your first listen of the day on today's show. We are going to be digging into the Raptors win over the Milwaukee Bucks 97 93 with special guest Louis Zatzman. We're going to talk about Fred Van Vliet. We're going to talk about uh Scotty Barnes. We're going to talk about the dude of the game. We're going to talk about Pascal Siakam, how they defended the Giannis list Bucks last night and all that. But first, I should tell you that today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions that you do not want or need and can even negotiate better deals on those that you want to keep. Truebill, more on them a little bit later on in the show. All right, let's get to it. Joining me on today's show was my seat buddy, last night at the Raptors game, down in the primo red seats, baby. I've gotten them a couple times this year, as the uh, limitations on capacity have been profound this year down at Scotiabank Arena, but I, I sneaked in there, snuck in, and got to sit next to this man, Louis Zatzman from Raptors Republic. How's it going, pal?
1: It's good, man. I was You stole my opener. I was going to say, even more exciting <laughs> than the win was getting to sit by you, but... Uh, that's not news anymore. No, it's good. It's good. It's fun to be back at games. It's you know in person, starting to starting to uh, enjoy the Raptors again. You know it's awesome. All, all is well.
0: Yeah, it's a, it was a fun night last night down at the arena. the The vibes were pretty good by seasons by the get not seasons end the end of the game. Hopefully the vibes are good by season's end. Uh, and I think Fred VanVleet, you know, kind of took it upon himself to ensure the vibes were good by just uh, beckoning the crowd at any chance he could during his enormous twenty six point second half. And that's where we'll start. As I said, we'll get into the dude to the game later on. We will talk about some of the schematic stuff that was at play in this game. Kind of an interesting one, considering the late scratch of Giannis Attentacumpo. But it did open up the opportunity, with Giannis being out, for a bit of a get-well game for the Raptors. They've been struggling. It wasn't like a blowout that you might like in a typical get-well game against some garbage franchise like, I don't know, the Oklahoma City Thunder. But it still was a nice win nonetheless. And you got some crunch time reps in it as well. Uh, Let's begin with Fred Lewis. He was uh, sensational in the second half. The first half kind of taken out of the action, two to the ball quite a bit. Pascal Siakam really took up the mantle with the scoring burden in that first half with 15 of his 20 points. Uh, Fred just a three in the first half, 26 in the second half. He finishes 29 points, five boards, four assists, uh, nine to 17 from the field, five of 10 from downtown. Perfect six of six from the line. And of course, the team best plus nine. Uh, to talk about Fred, Bavle, just wax poetic. He was incredible in this game, Lewis, what stood out to you from maybe his best game so far this season?
1: Yeah. I mean, so I think for all the wonder of the second half, his first half actually deserved some love as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would have called him the dude of the game, right? If, if he played the entire game, <laughs> like that first half, sure. he was really good at getting off the ball after he drew help which meant the Raptors actually scored more in the first yeah. half than in the second yeah. half. They were they were more efficient offensively. Uh, and Pascal Siakam scored so well, partially because Van Fleet was so fantastic at drawing help, getting rid of it immediately. He had one quick turnover after he was like triple teamed. And then he was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's how you're going to do it. Well, this is the answer to that. <laughs> and then in the second half, they said, okay, we're going to get Fred some points, getting him off ball. He's going to jet around the baseline run through some elevator doors run Mm -hmm. around some screens because if you're going to face guard a guy then you're going to get clipped by a good screen and so they Mm -hmm. threw a bunch of good screens his way he got a bunch of catch and shoot threes uh and that i mean that breaks a team when the guy that you are throwing everything at is getting open jumpers it's the steph curry way right Mm -hmm. and uh and fred is getting way better at a lot of those off ball steph curry movements. You know, sprint towards a handoff and then at the last minute backpedal when the Mm -hmm. guy tries to ice it. And then you get an open catch and shoot three, like five, eight feet away from the screener. Uh, He he finishes well. I mean, he is the Toronto Raptors right now. The way he turned to the crowd, gladiator style during a timeout (laughs) and said, get loud. And oh boy, it got loud. Like Mm -hmm. that is the heart of a team right there. It yeah. is. I would No, pref-
0: no, go, no, go, ahead. go, go ahead, ahead, man. No, no, I was gonna say, I was just, I would prefer if he were when he beckons to the crowd if he does the big balls thing as opposed to the arms, just <laughs> you know, to stay on brand. But that's fine. Carry on with what you were saying.
1: I mean, that's fifteen <laughs> grand a pop. Like that's an expensive <laughs> beckoning, right there. It's
0: okay. He's gonna make a lot of money in his career. I think it's been pretty yeah. established. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's it, to get fine fifteen grand, and to mm-hmm. con- to continue doing something knowing that's the price. That's some real badassery right there.
0: Oh, that's some like uh, Jerry Stackhouse in the first year coaching Raptors 905 when it's like 25 bucks per technical foul. He said, I'm going to write a check for a G. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fred should do that for big balls dances. Either way, yeah, I, I was blown away by Fred's Second half in particular, you know, totally well made point about the first half and how he didn't force the issue, even though the Bucks were loading up on him. He just allowed Siakam to cook and that extra space out there because of all the attention on Fred allowed Siakam to cook. And there was a stretch in the fourth quarter when, you know, I think what you're talking about with Fred's off-ball movement was really kind of on display. It was a personal 7-0 run. For Fred, I think Drew Holiday was kind of going off, and that was a hell of a fun matchup to watch all night, uh, Fred and and Holiday going at one another. But there was a section there, it it pulled to like 75-73, and you get an inbound play where, I don't know, it wasn't an inbound, it was like a baseline screen. It might have been an inbound at the very beginning of the play, it's, it's all kind of blurring together. But either way, get a little back screen from Pascal Siakam on the baseline. Scotty Barnes hits Fred as he pops open, like perfect timing with a gorgeous pass from the top of the arc cashes it for three. The next possession down, Fred with a beautiful, well-timed cut and pressures at yeah, to chew with cut. a gorgeous bounce pass to him. Like, mm, beautiful stuff. And then he- And, and also like, collects... that back cut. Yeah.
1: What I really loved, the guy knows how easy it is to block him at the rim. And so yeah. he gets the ball. He goes inside hand quick off the glass, which yeah. is his left, on the right-hand yeah. side. I mean, that that was a really clever finish to get it up before anyone gets there and super underrated. Like, he's yeah. a good finisher now. Anyway, please continue. So the three in oh, the no. up
0: keep going. Yeah, and then he had the possession where uh, there was, like, a long rebound, loose ball. He gets it, takes it all the way down, gets fouled, puts up both, and uh, it's a 7-0 run automatically. Uh, yeah, to your point, let me just pull up his shooting numbers by distance on the season on the fly here. Uh, at the rim, between zero and three feet... I think I played this game earlier this week with Sahal Abdi asking him if he could guess what he's shooting uh, from Yeah, it's like 60% three feet. now, right? It's 64.3% yeah. now is the Fred VanVleet shooting at the rim uh, watch is where he's at right now. It's ridiculous. He has been, like, just incrementally better at everything so far this season, and it's really turned into, like, a legit star-level player. It's been amazing.
1: So I believe it was actually a 9 run because right it was a bucks timeout and that was the bookend right he he entered the game then the timeout but after Mm -hmm. the timeout they got a stop and then he drove and got a layup like right yeah (laughs) i I mean he just he's becoming kyle lowry i mean we have been describing it that way for a while but his ability to go on those runs to make the crowd get into the game like that and i mean you pointed out right Nick Nurse ran him alongside a lineup of like Chris Boucher, Isaac Bonga, Delano <laughs> Banton, and Svi Mykhailuk. Yep, that is some prime Kyle juice right there. Like, <laughs> and and he won the minutes. Yeah, he hit a pull up three and they got stops. Like, how much more Kyle can you be than yeah. winning the minutes alongside guys like that? He is no one could be Kyle, and and now Fred is like,
0: how yeah. fortunate it's... for the Raptors to have a guy like that. It's truly unfair like to have like you know if things go well and they keep Fred around as long as they want to keep Fred around just like 15 straight years of world class point guard play pretty awesome uh and a lot of teams wish they could have that uh the the Knicks literally could have had that like those two guys if they really <laughs> wanted to just never never forget that um <laughs> yep. so Bit of a parlor game for you, Lewis. Uh, I, I'm just curious, thinking about this now, sort of thinking about the way the roster's built, the way the contracts all come together. Like, it's pretty clear that Fred Van Vliet's four year, $80 million a year deal or $80 million deal is uh, a very good contract in terms of value for the team wise, probably significantly below what Fred Van Vliet could be earning. My question to you right now is, Lewis, if Fred Van Vliet were a free agent this second, how much do you think he's commanding? Is he getting a max? Oh, it's easy. yeah. Of course, I, I think without yeah. a doubt he's getting a mess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is like ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> another question
1: for you. Yeah, is he? I think the the greatest undrafted free agent of all time
0: is probably Ben Wallace. Yeah, Fred is closing in on that title, right? Yeah, I mean, like production wise, he he's got an edge for sure. I mean, he's, he doesn't have like the defensive player of the years or whatever. Or that uh, he does have the title though. That's a good one. Ben Wallace yeah. or Fred Van Vliet? Let's do that. A uh, Question of the day down in the comments. Uh, ben Wallace or Fred Van Vliet? Best uh, undrafted free agent of all time. Uh, go nuts. I'm sure the Raptors contingent who watch this podcast on YouTube will probably be biased in one direction. But hey, that's cool. Invite your Piston fan friends in here to, to have a chat with you as well, if you'd like. Um, yeah, Fred Van Vliet, unbelievable game. Just uh, an absolute masterclass, and continues to just, you know, be – Like the driving force of winning for this team that they've so desperately needed, even with all the injuries, they've been able to kind of hang tight in these games, mostly because Fred Van Vliet is ridiculous. And I did not think we were going to come into this season and say Fred Van Vliet's is the best player on the Raptors. But as of right now, Fred Van Vliet is the best player on the Raptors, and it's going to take a little bit to knock him off. And
1: that's not even a criticism of Pascal, who I think has played very well. Yeah. Like last yeah. year, Fred Van VanVleet was the best player on the Raptors, and I think it was because Pascal probably underperformed just a little bit what we expected. See, I yeah, still had, had Pascal, Pascal as the
0: best Raptor last season. I, I, I think, i that's oh, still I, where I, I can I'm it totally down, okay but... with that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He yeah. he had a very good year, right? He he ended up having a great year. Shooting numbers were down. I mean, if let's let's talk Pascal then.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's talk Pascal in a sec. Let's uh first we'll take a second here. We will uh talk about Pascal and Scotty Barnes and a whole bunch of other notes from the game and some schematic stuff as well because it was a pretty interesting game schematically, I think. We'll get to that in one second here, Lewis. But first, should tell you about our friends over at Truebill. It's the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need want or simply forgot about. On average, people save 720 bucks a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions very hard to cancel. It's a scam and Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge, yes, this company comes with a concierge, is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. I have paid for so many things that I did not need. I will to share the story once again. Last year during the pandemic, I wanted to send an e-card to my sister for her birthday. Uh, I believe I was like in quarantine at the time with like a contact tracing thing, and I couldn't get out to the store to buy a card. And so I fired up a thing called Punchbowl, which is apparently an e-card site that costs like 60 bucks a year. And I bought it. I bought the subscription for free for a month. And then boom, they started charging me like I don't know, 10 bucks a month. I can't do the math. Five bucks a month for the rest of the year. I paid for it for like 14 straight months until I canceled it because I'm a dum dumb. If I had Truebill, I would not have had that problem. I would have saved all that scratch I spent on e-cards that I did not use. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash NBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash NBA. That's T-R-U-E-B-I-L-L. All right, continuing on here with your first listen of the day with Louis Zatzman of Raptors Republic. Uh, Louis, you want to talk about Pascal Siakam, who uh, was quite good last night, 28-4, 15 of his points coming in the first half. Did foul out, continues to be a bit of an issue there. Uh, Nick Nurse talked about it after the game, suggesting it's probably still a bit of a timing thing, working his way back and just kind of getting down the beats. He's a half beat slow or quick on some of these help rotations. And even through that, he's been an incredible help defender for the team lately. So, you know, you take the good with the bad. Uh, What were your impressions of Siakam's game, game last night?
1: Yeah, I think it was really good. I've sort of found myself positioned as like a Siakam defender recently. Same here, because, right here. Yeah, Hi. I've, I've seen that as well. <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> Just because he has been very good. And I think because it might be dissonant with people's expectations, people mm-hmm. don't recognize the good. And what pa- what Toronto needs of Pascal Siakam is unique to him, right? They, they don't need another Kawhi Leonard. That would be great, but that's not what you're getting. Mm-hmm. And yeah. right now, what Toronto is getting from Pascal Siakam is – the best player on the team at getting where he wants and forcing absurd rotations, lots of help. Mm -hmm. And last night what he was exceptional at, especially in the first half was when he got, you know, double, triple, quadruple teamed in the paint, he was so good at making instant decisions, getting the ball behind Mm -hmm. him, swinging it to the corners. I mean, he, he threw to Mihailuk for a lot of open jumpers um, he kicked behind him. He he threw to Achua a couple times. Uh, he is really good at creating open looks for other other players. Yep. And it's not always going to be that first pass assist. Sometimes it'll be a pass, swing, swing, and that's the open shot. Yep. But right now, he is sort of the motor of that interior offense. Van yep. Fleet is the motor for threes for the pick and roll offense and together they're really good at at getting open looks for a team that frankly is not great at getting open looks. And I think <laughs> yeah. last night was a great example. I mean, he shot 50%, very good. Only 1 of 4 from deep. He didn't get many free throws at all, which is being something that I don't think it's his fault, let's say. 6 turnovers. Yeah. The numbers may not they undersell how terrific he was, especially yeah. in the first half. And he did exactly what Toronto needed. He may not have had the supernova punch that Van Fleet had, but he did his role as well as Van Fleet did.
0: Yeah, and Nurse noted after the game, like, he's like, oh, he's got four assists. He probably could have had double that if some dude just knocked down some looks. And that doesn't take into account those pass swing swings that you're talking about, which of which there were many. And some of his best passes from the middle of the floor where, you know, Nurse kind of commented how how quickly he was making those reads where he kind of got to the to the line. And it's like, oh, there's like three bodies in front of me. I'm just going to whip it out. He did it really quickly and really sort of decisively. And that's like the the important stuff with Pascal Siakam. The scoring will come. It's going to become easier, I think, when you have the attention that OG Ananobi, you know, draws factored into the whole geometry of the floor as well. Uh, I was a big fan of the way Siakam played in this one. He continues a pretty good run here of just kind of being the guy who is not forcing things too much. This is like the thing that we all wanted during the bubble, right? Like he keeps posting up Jalen Brown and Marcus smart. It's not working and he's not passing out of these post-ups when there's plenty of opportunity to do so. That's what everyone's clamoring for. Now he's doing it and he's doing it really well. And it's been a a really big sort of engine for the way the Raptors have been able to subsist on offense so far, at least since he got back uh, from injury. Um, Let's uh, talk about some other schematic stuff in this game. It was a pretty interesting one because of the late scratch of Giannis. You know, Nurse talked about after the game, Precious Achua did as well, talking about how, uh, you know, oh God, we did all of our game planning for. Precious, sorry for Giannis Antetokounmpo, and that's all just like out the window. Obviously, it's easier to not have to guard Giannis Antetokounmpo, but that quick turnaround of thirty minutes to figure out, all right, what are we doing now, uh, is a challenge for sure. And they executed pretty well defensively. It's been another. You know, it's, I guess, like four of the last five games, they've had really strong, either full game defensive efforts or at least one half of really strong defense. So it's trending in the right direction there. Uh, what were your impressions of the way the Raptors guarded the Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday sort of tandem? Uh, and how did you think it all kind of came together? Obviously, we should probably talk about Scotty Barnes in here as well, who Nurse noted after the game just like declared, I am guarding Chris Middleton uh, before going into the game, which is pretty cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Uh, I think something that's that's really well um, that matters for how Middleton and and Holiday played. They both scored well, right? Mm-hmm. But if you actually watch the game, most of their points were were self-created step back jumpers. Look, yeah. if you hit that, you hit that. Doesn't matter what defense you're you're facing. But Toronto's defense was predicated on saying your only shots are going to come on those pull ups. Mm-hmm. Those step backs, those post moves. And and the Bucs only scored what? 93 points. Like that's yeah. unbelievable defense. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of the, the schematics that you mention that Toronto does, when it doesn't work, it's way more um aesthetically apparent than when it does work. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like when it doesn't work, you just you lose under a barrage of corner threes and layups. Yeah. When it does work, like last night, the rotations happen so quickly that it doesn't even look like anything happened. And so Mm -hmm. an example, you know, there were some plays last night where Holiday came off of a pick and roll. Uh, Toronto helped from the strong side corner. Uh, Holiday saw Arms look to the rim or look to the corner, got there – corner look to the rim because the Toronto closed off really well. And that third side helper from the opposite side corner was already in the paint guarding the rim. Mm -hmm. And it didn't Mm -hmm. look like a rotation because they got there instantly, right? You don't see a guy running. You just see a guy there. And so when Toronto's defense works, it doesn't look special, but it is special. Like what happened last night was like PhD level defense. And here's a, uh, an anecdote for you. Preci- Precious Achua was like miserable offensively.
0: Oh, you a know, nightmare. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he, he didn't really know where to be. Uh, yeah. Fred Van Vliet correctly pointed out that, you know, Scotty and Pascal's offense will be a lot easier when Precious goes to the right places. He had some real boneheaded plays, and yet he had the second best plus minus on the Raptors, third best in the game. Yeah. His defense is quickly becoming like the most important on the Raptors behind only Fred Van Vliet because Van Vliet's the only point guard on the team. (laughs) Precious is center defense. Like he can just wall off the rim as a helper, as a primary. He's a a great rebounder, despite the fact that he is walling off the rim. He switches into space. He sticks with guards. He smells stuff out early. He is playing, like, Mark Gasol-level defense some of these games. It is. And and at 6'9", like, it is unbelievable to watch. And last night was a masterclass. A guy who couldn't play offense, who just handicapped the offense, had to be on the court. How often do you see that?
0: Yeah, it's not a regular occurrence uh, for sure. He was really, really, really good defensively to the point that like you nurse was asked, I think by Michael Grange after the game, he was asked like, so like you got Achua kind of going through those mistakes and you know, and and, you know, but what kept him out there? And Nurse is like, what mistakes? I don't know what you're talking about, but it's like, I don't know. He could have pointed to like the offensive rebound where he just threw a pass out of bounds. You could have pointed to the missed free throws late that kind of made everything way too hairy uh didn't matter because his defense was that good and no uh, yeah. i like that
1: from nick yeah
0: yeah for right. sure like why focus on the guys. bad yeah yeah
1: he'll criticize his guys when they're playing bad but if you're playing yeah. defense like that man ride with that guy
0: like don't yeah.
1: pretend everything was perfect when you play
0: defense like that yeah 100 um we will uh come back on the other side but we'll get to the dude of the game close our thoughts out on this game as well Lewis, we uh, will be back in one second, but first want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar, baby. They're the best tasting protein bars in the whole wide world. The holiday season is here. You can grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. That is Built Bar filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. You got a ton of flavors as well. Uh, a, a built bar really to match any holiday dessert you might want to sub in a replacement for just to kind of, you know, eat in moderation. Built bar gives you that extra fuel you need as well to bust down those mall doors. I highly recommend just tossing a little built bar in your bag or your pocket when you go Christmas shopping. That is the way to go. But because it is the season of peace and love, you can uh, bring your favorite built Bars up to your family as well. You come to your family, you maybe wrap some built Bars, like uh, put them in a stocking or something like that. Tell Santa to throw a few built Bars in there, and you will be very happy as well. You want to cozy up with something warm, here's a holiday secret. Dip your Bilt Bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa as well. Melt that thing down. Make it a little just a decadent treat. And like some of those marshmallow retreats uh, that you get around the holidays, there are marshmallow retreats with Bilt Bar as well. You need to get your hands on Built Bar Puffs, baby. They are light. They are fluffy. They are marshmallowy through and through. I have them in my fridge right now. They're delicious. There's the uh, lemon one as well as the ruby chocolate. It's just really good. So go right now. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Thanks, as always, to Built Bar for sponsoring the podcast. All right, let's uh, wrap this thing up here, Lewis, with the dude of the game, the segment everybody's talking about, the guy who we maybe haven't talked a whole lot about, who was a very big part of this game. Uh, let me put it to you, Lewis. You you get the honors. Who is your dude of the game for the Raptors' win over the Bucks on Thursday? So this is an audible.
1: I was going to say precious, but then I couldn't restrain ah. myself. And so the dude of the
0: game's got to be Scotty Barnes. Yeah, he's on the board. It's his first one so far, unbelievably. Scotty Barnes, due to the game. Uh, Why is Scotty Barnes your pick? So you mentioned his shooting uh, on the lead-in.
1: The shooting was incredible. Three of six. Uh, You you mentioned Clay Thompson. We were talking about that at the game. (laughs) He's got this, like, really tight, compact jumper that if it develops into, you know, the ideal the platonic ideal of itself it would look a little like clay thompson's jumper i mean he is hunting those looks they're not just uncontested like you have a whole year to set up he's taking like semi-contested looks running off screens he had four assists he hit the offensive glass he got steals he protected the rim like scotty barnes A lot of people are thinking, you know, I've heard frequently, he should be the focal point. He should be the focal point. I disagree. I think he is best as the Lamar Odom Swiss army knife on both ends. Like this is almost an idealization of his game where he's, you know, he's running fast breaks. He is throwing those like second side attack passes. He is taking a primary defensive role as he did with Middleton and as he did very, very well you know, he's helping on, uh, protect the rim 13 points. One of the better 13 point games you'll ever see. I was really, really impressed with him. Uh, and you know, Nick's talked a lot about him needing to be more aggressive. He only took nine shots and yet yeah. it felt more aggressive somehow. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Well, he had the, the one, like pull up three in transition. He tried to, to pull off. Like <laughs> that's aggression if you've ever seen it. And then, like, he picked his spots, right? Like, he he had the two... He only made two two-pointers in this game, and they were both just, like, him deciding, I'm scoring here, we need this bucket. The first one was the... He sort of dribbled himself into that, like, Dirk-esque fadeaway and put it in. Yeah. That made us yelp a little bit on press row. And then the next one, he posts up, and then he has, like, the double-clutch, like, rainbow that he puts up from, like, I don't know, eight feet, and the touch on that was just insane, and... I'm just blown away by his ability to get to where he wants to go as a rookie. Like, you don't often see that. Usually it takes a long time to be able to just get to the spots that you want to be at. And he doesn't even have, like, a fully refined handle yet. And he still looks a little bit sort of, uh, you know, almost like Bambi, but like a controlled Bambi when he's doing his post-ups. He makes it work, even though it is a little bit erratic looking. Imagine what it's going to be once that handle tightens a little bit and he kind of just has that bag a little bit more refined. Um, the three-point shooting too is like very meaningful as it turns out, yeah. especially with the way this Raptors team wants to play and the way they're constructed. You would figure that once they're healthy again, they'll go back to starting with the small lineup because that's what they've done when they've had all those guys available. It seems to fit the vision. And the thinking was: well, if Pascal can shoot, that can kind of mitigate the lack of Scotty shooting. Uh, Maybe it's just, oh, Scotty can shoot and that just frees up Pascal to be on the ball more. There's more space for him. There's more space for Fred. There's more space for everybody. It's just uh, a really, really critical development, not only for this season, but obviously in terms of big picture down the line, Uh, he's shooting 38% on nearly two attempts a game. That's significant and well ahead of where anyone expected his offensive game was going to be, where his shooting was going to be. It's been a, a true delight to see the people who were skeptics of Scotty Barnes uh, just kind of be like, well, what are you going to do? He's awesome now. It, it's a, it's a pretty fun and satisfying thing. Um, I did want to talk about his defense a little bit, Lewis, because he... Obviously, I think it's been a little bit up and down on that end of the floor in particular this okay. season. You know, when you've seen the Raptors at their worst defensively, he's often been the guy missing that key rotation, not really knowing where to go and where and where to fill in. And he, I think, has kind of turned things around here in the last five, six games. And it's been not surprisingly, like kind of in line with a lot of the best Raptors defensive performances of the season. Obviously, you have Siakam stepping his game up there too, Precious Achua doing his thing, but what are you seeing? What are you seeing right now with Barnes on the defensive end? Aside from the fact that he just like I'm guarding Chris Middleton and I'm going to hold him to eight of twenty over the course of the night, in terms of just like his overall team defense and where he's slotting in, what are you seeing from him in terms of improvement, if there is any, for you to, that you've seen?
1: Yeah, no, no, he he is a lot better on the ball, and hmm. so you talked about his mistakes, and you astutely mentioned missed rotations. That's right. He he makes a lot more mistakes off the ball than on, and on the ball, I mean, he he does give up some blow buys. His yeah. ability to sort of rotate his hips and stay with a guy with a quick first step. I mean, that could improve, but his his on, on the ball has always been better. And I think something that helps a lot is OG and hasn't been in the lineup taking that first option. And so right. it falls to Scotty, And so he is on the ball more than he's off mm-hmm. the ball. And so we've just seen him in a situation that plays to his strengths more than a situation that plays off. Like his worst defensive game... Was probably that one against the Celtics where he yeah. guarded Robert Williams. And yeah. that's all off ball. Like Robert Williams doesn't touch the ball unless it's in midair <laughs>
0: and he's dunking it under him. Yeah, like within like inches of the basket, literally exactly. is the only time his his fingers are on it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and guarding that guy is tough. Like you, yeah. that is, we talked about that PhD level defense where you rotate and you you're, you know, you have to know where to be at all times. That is way harder for an athlete of Scotty's caliber, because athleticism almost has nothing to do with it, Yeah. right? You just have to think the game, not be this brilliant athlete. And Scotty obviously is a rookie. Like (laughs) that's just a fact. And so it's hard. So I think the improvement, a lot of what we've seen is just um, him being played in a situation that's, that's paradoxically harder, right? You're guarding other team stars easier for him. Mm-hmm. The, at the same time, he is fitting in better. right? He still has to make rotations. He's doing mm-hmm. it cleaner. And so mm-hmm. we've seen sort of uh, context and performance both improve for him at the same time, which I think you're, his defense, you're just going to see a, a very linear, over time, it's going to get better. That's what yeah. you expect from rookies of that athletic caliber. Like there will be times where he lets the team down. That's life. That happens. But overall, mm-hmm. if you look at the big picture, just better and better with every with every stretch.
0: And it's also like what you expect to see like learning Nick Nurse's system. It's not easy. It takes time. It takes a lot of refinement and just sort of like deep understanding of where you got to be and like high-level stuff and I'm not surprised it's taken some time. I I don't, let me run this theory by you, and maybe there's a corollary we can pull with last year. So last year, Raptors start two and eight. It's really rough. They don't look very good. Uh, but by the end of that two and eight stretch, they're still losing games, but the process starts to look a little bit yep. better. And they, you know, they have like the close rim out games with Siakam yep. on that road trip, where you know they could the have they were inches away from winning. Yeah, the the Suns, I think, the Blazers was in there. Yeah, the, the Warriors. Blazers. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, th- those those games didn't go right results wise, but eventually that process ended up leading to a really nice stretch where they go like 15 and eight, they pull back to 500 before COVID hits and ruins everything. Do you feel like we might be in that sort of similar early stage where the process is turning around and eventually the results are going to follow, especially when you look at the schedule, it gets a little bit easier in terms of the rest of this homestand followed by a whole lot of home games between now and the middle of January. Totally. I, I think that's a very good corollary. I don't know. <laughs> is that what is corollary mean? Help me out here. <laughs> it's like a, a, a simulacrum. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm making up words <laughs> yeah. now. Uh, no, it's a, good, it's a good comparison. It works well yeah. for me. Um, I think another
1: component is Toronto doesn't have a ton of overlap of skill sets on the roster. Mm-hmm. And so you lose one OG Ananobi, you're thin. Yeah. You lose an OG Ananobi, a Cam Birch, and a Yuta Watanabe. It's like, and the Gary Trent enough. Jr. And the Gary Trent Jr., it's like, well, yeah. you just don't really have the, the bodies that can play yeah. offense at that point. And mm-hmm. so I think a lot of what we're seeing as they're turning around is they're just having more guys in the roster. Yuta's back, Gary's back. Yeah. Uh, and as OG and Kem come back, they're going to start winning games. Mm-hmm. At the same time, the guys who are healthy and have been healthy. Have been improving. I completely agree yeah. with you, right? Yeah. Siakam mentioned yesterday uh, with Josh Lewenberg how he came back early, right? He's working yeah. his way back at physically. Uh, he is going to improve, and we've seen his defense go from, you know, below what we'd expect because he just had major surgery, <laughs> to he was a defensive wizard last night, yeah. and so yes, I I think last year is a very good comparison. I don't expect them to have a similar fall off and to be honest I think you know I'd expect them to finish the season at or around 500 maybe a time yeah. 42 and 40 is what I predicted before the year I'm same still here sticking with that you yeah. are also 42 and 40
0: yep right on that i uh, I got hey. a lot riding on that in our over-unders game with Sahal and Vivek I uh we're really leaning on that 42 and there's a bonus point at play for getting the the the, uh, the record yeah, yeah. correct so I told
1: you to take the Thunder (laughs) last night, so
0: I don't think you want to agree with me on Yeah, we should talk about this. Uh, (laughs) I was making a parlay before the game uh, just because I was bored. uh, I was like, ah, let's waste some money, shall we? And we're looking at the lines, and it's Grizzlies by 11.5, and I'm like, Obviously the Grizzlies are going to beat the th- they don't have Shea. they don't have like half their team, Giddy's not playing obviously. And you were like, "Yeah, but they don't have John Memphis and uh, the Thunder are tryhards or something." I don't know. I put money on the Thunder to cover the 11 and a half. They were 62 points away from doing that. Thanks, Lewis. Uh <laughs> Anytime, buddy. Anytime. It's Okay, I lost every other bet in that in that parlay as well. Uh I- <laughs> Did the Bulls win? I, I I had maybe the Bulls, but uh, I yeah, it was yeah, uh yeah. rough stuff. Yeah, no not 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 a good time. Yeah, the Bulls didn't even cover. I lost all four of my bets on, on that ticket. So it's you not your fault, but it's just sort of your fault. Of the parlay. I agree. It's really hard to do. Uh <laughs> <laughs> We've changed, we're revolutionizing the gambling world. Um, by the way, just an honorary due to the game mentioned to a specific play by Pascal Siakam in the fourth quarter when he was on five fouls in transition, gets back with just an insane vertical contest to force a miss. It goes back to the other way, they get a bucket the other way. Um, Pascal, very good defensively, as it turns out. But Scotty Barnes is, of course, your dude of the game. His first of the season, which is a little bit surprising, but hey is where we are he's he's been too star driven to be the dude of the game so far this year i guess either way lewis that's going to do it for today's episode thank you so much for popping on man it's lovely chatting with you always you are such a bright basketball mind uh (laughs) where can people check out all of your wonderful work
1: uh, well, first of all, thank you. I uh, didn't get enough of you last night. So much fun to chat more. Uh, <laughs> you can find I'm me. I'm so Republic. sorry for
0: your misfortune. You're living the Katie <laughs> Heindel life right now. I don't want anyone to live that life.
1: It's a good life. <laughs> uh, you can you can find me at Raptors Republic. You can find some of my league wide stuff at 5:38. Uh, it's yeah. You can you can find me on Twitter. Just my name at Lewis Atzman. Always more basketball convos to be had.
0: Go read Lewis's piece about Precious Achua being kick-ass at defense uh, and uh, all the other great stuff he got going. Um, it's a shame you couldn't write the piece you wanted to write last night, which was about Giannis, who then got scratched, and you were apoplectic for a good half of the game next to me. I so remain wanted to console you. Yeah.
1: Here, can I? Let me just leak some of my lead because it's yeah, not yeah, going anywhere else. Sure. I wrote this great lead about Scotty and Giannis because it was a comparison, both warming up at the same time. Right. And Scotty was he was trying a different move every time and Giannis everything was like granite like just carved anew and I wrote about Scotty as a riverbed where like the water washes past each drawing every time so the bed is empty Uh and Giannis was like the fossil buried in the riverbed that's like the same like every time mass produced you know it's like an it's (laughs) you're not changing that thing no matter Mm -hmm. how many years I was really proud of it and then Giannis had to up and blow it up so (laughs) now I get to spill it here
0: yeah, damn you, Mike Budenholzer, uh, or as our friend yeah. and former guest of the show, Herbie Kuhn calls him, Mike Budenholzer. Uh, that's going to do it for today's Episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. Thank you for making us your first listen as well. Go make your second listen of the day. Locked on fantasy Basketball's Josh Lloyd is helping you win your league every single day. He is very, very good at his job as it turns out. Uh, that will do it. We'll be back again on Monday. Talk about the game against the Wizards. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.